America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guest on Blog Talk Radio as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. Azar Foundation for Children of the World is an organization aimed to support women and children in need across the globe. We believe in empowering lives, strengthening minds, and providing programs that enrich health and education. The Azar Foundation was founded in 2003 and has been serving the world ever since. Visit us at our website at www.azarforchildren.org. That's www.azar4children.org to find out more information about our endeavors and join our mailing list. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language. The Azar Foundation. Blaylock Dialysis Center is a convenient state-of-the-art dialysis center in the Houston area, run by Dr. Panakin Patel. Relax in a comfortable environment while receiving quality care. Serving adults 18 to geriatrics, we are here to help you. Call 713-463-6611 for more information or visit us at our website at www.blaylockdialysiscenter.com. Blaylock Dialysis Center, where helping you get well is our priority. The Meditation Museum in Silver Spring, Maryland, offers a variety of courses and activities to make your life go a whole lot smoother. Located at 9525 Georgia Avenue, you will be able to experience the beautiful silence that's in the space. There are courses in Raj Yoga Meditation, Positive Thinking, Stress-Free Living, and Personal Development Classes. For more information, call us at 301-588-0144 or visit us online at meditationmuseum.org. Take a break. Breathe. Why don't you visit the Peace Village Learning and Retreat Center, 518-589-5000. I'm Roger Nelson. I'm the founder and director of the Global Consciousness Project, and you are listening to America Meditating Radio Show. Om Shanti. The time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate. But even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax, 
This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion. nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment?
Hello, America. This is Sister Jenna, and you're listening to America Meditating Radio, and that was letting go. As you know that we are all needing to find some space for healing, and our healing is definitely something that cannot be rushed and cannot be forced. We've been through a lot the last 18 months or so, and we now have President-elect Donald Trump as the next leader for the United States of America. And I know that there's been so many mixed feelings over the past few days. There's just a lot of charged emotions, and they're all very valid. And please, I invite my citizens and friends, do not suppress those feelings. Do not tuck them away. Do not deny that they exist. However, let us keep finding a way to amplify our inner power. That's perhaps what the need of the time is. That's what we're being called to do. And change doesn't always seem pretty. And change doesn't always come in the packaging or the way that we always wish it to be. And it's been a few days now, and we are grappling with a lot of things. And that's just what we will do. We are one American family, and we are in this together. And if we could rewire our brains to actually think and do in a way that gives happiness and joy and contentment and understanding to everyone on the planet, I think we would have been that would have been one of the greatest sellers of the greatest um, inventions to mankind of this time. Just imagine if we could actually inject our brain with a serum that would be like. Be true, be right, be peaceful, be happy, do the right thing. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, personally, I think that injection is called love for God. I'll I'll just be honest with you. And I know that we tend to question this love for God because if God does exist and there is love for God, then why is there still so much pain and suffering and sorrow on the planet? And I leave this for you to contemplate on. Is it because maybe we're not experiencing as much love for God? Is it because we're not pulling as much love from God. And if I'm not feeling loved, then it's natural for me to execute behavior that seems loveless and seems without a connection to the seed. And so, America, please hold tight. Please let us keep ourselves in check and continue to show what a democracy is like, that even if we don't agree with what's emerging and what is definitely in our midst, that we can continue to find ways to overcome the differences that we endure. That's what a democracy is about, that we can express that we don't agree and we and we don't care for a particular way of being or doing or a person, but we can still break bread and we can still have a meal at the table. You're listening to America Meditating Radio, and I'd like to play this song for everyone in the country that is going through a mental anguish. I've gotten so many text messages, emails, they continue to come through day by day about the sadness and the sorrow, and I just, I'm, I, I'm just a little bit confused. I was like, well, what about all my text messages that I should get for people who voted for Trump and who are celebrating and saying, Sister Jenna, this is great. Let's go out. Let's do this together. I, I don't know why. And I know that I know a lot of Republicans, and I know that I spoke to a lot of students who are voting for President-elect Trump, and I'm wondering how come I'm not getting any messages from them. Maybe they're busy celebrating. Oh, yeah, that could be it. Anyway, here's my song dedicated to our country, Coming to the Light by Bliss, and I'd like you to just hold that, feel that, engage in that for a bit. 
You're listening to American Meditating Radio. Welcome back. That was Coming Into the Light by Bliss. The artist's name is Lucinda Drayton. And we are a few days after election and America's healing, trying to. And I was mentioning that what would it be like if we could just inject our brain with the emotions that we would like to have. Emotions of togetherness, emotion of unity, emotion of love and acceptance, emotions of self-respect for global and, of course, national respect. We are at a crossroads 
but yet it's a it's I think it's a good time. It's a good time for us to really begin to reevaluate to what extent I've understood human consciousness and the human nature and how this thing called spirit and soul actually works. How does the soul work through the body? And why does the soul think what it does? You know, there's been so many conscious research on the field of uh, neurotheology where it scans people's brain while they're in prayer or meditation or in trance states, and it helps people to understand who they are and what they are. And so to what extent are we, what are we going through as our brain processes this um, sense of loss or fear, but there are also quite a lot of people that are also celebrating. So what is it doing vibrationally to the country? How is it making the energy of the atmosphere um, percolate? How is it impacting our cells and our body, our way of thinking and being as people? They say, as you think, so you become. You know, and and whatever is at the the core of your thinking factor, you eventually manifest that in your physical reality. It just depends on how much passion you put into that. I remembered when um, we realized that Donald Trump was running for president, and um, he did an interview on the Oprah Winfrey show in 1984. And since that interview, uh, President-elect Donald Trump has been talking about what he would do if he was president. And I have to tell you, his conversation in 1984, just go and Google that on YouTube, uh, Donald Trump with Oprah Winfrey. His conversation in that interview was very similar to the conversation of his concerns in the country even now. Just imagine how long he's been walking inside of his brain, his consciousness. And you know how Donald always talks about, I have a good brain. And so he's been very passionate about some of these issues and things that he spoke about during that presidential campaign. It's very similar, the dialogue of 84. And so my fellow Americans, we are strong and we will continue to be strong days later and weeks later and months later and maybe years later. This is historic. Um, Do we need to meditate more? Well, of course I'm going to say yes, because when you meditate, you tend to find clarity in certain things. You tend to find certain meaning and um, we begin to recognize that through our words and through our actions and through our behavior, we are being revealed, and we can't hide that. It was interesting, I don't know how many of you remember, but the day after election, um, there was a somberness over the country. I know in Washington, D.C., it was cold, damp, and rainy. Well, you know, nowadays, it's no longer about this one and that one. It's about, again, I keep saying this, virtues over vice, virtues over vice, virtues over vice. What will a person experience if they live a life of virtues? And what does a person experience when they live a life of vice? How does that impact our brain? And can science please hurry up and find some serum that we can inject in our brains if we become ignorant, angry, biased, prejudiced, deceitful, conniving, manipulating. Science, wake up. 
we are asking you to give us something that can make the brain work. And if you cannot create a medicine for that, let's think about the power of meditation and why meditation is such an important practice to reconnect our thinking, speaking, and doing to a place of innocence, for our hearts to understand that that purity and innocence has always existed, and it always will. It always will. The brain is a physical component, and the soul resides in that place. And whatever you're thinking, it impacts your brain. Whatever vibrations you're going through, it impacts your brain. But did you know that the brain is the only place in the body that there are no nerve cells? That when you are in an operating room and you're having brain surgery, you are not put under. You're actually conscious. Because no matter what the surgeon does in your brain, you can't feel it. I find that incredibly amazing that that component of our being can be so almost removed from the tendencies of the body, but yet it's such an important structure. I'm talking about brain because President-elect talked about he had a good brain, and he has a good brain. And the fact that he has been feeding his belief system and understanding of things, he has pushed himself to where he is, it's amazing. So what are your dreams, America? What are your greatest dreams and your greatest desires that you wish to create? Something that creates unity and goodness of spirit and divinity of God's love on the planet. I'm going to leave you with that to contemplate on from today's conversation. Because a good brain, if it's governed by a good soul and a pure soul, imagine what our world can become. Amazing. Anyway, I'm glad that you were able to join us and keep healing America. Don't forget to meet us at Unity of Washington, D.C. on November 13th between 3 and 5 p.m. for an incredible program on healing and reconciliation as we endure these few days, these few days after election of coming into power. I would now like to take our conversation to a very special guest, Dr. Andrew Newberg, who's actually an old-time friend, someone who we in, we've actually sat and done programs together at the National Press Club many, many years ago on his book about Are We Wired? Is the Brain Wired for God? And I'm looking forward to having our dialogue. Dr. Andrew Newberg is a neuroscientist who studies the relationship between brain function and various mental states, so isn't this appropriate? He's a pioneer in the neurological study of religious and spiritual experiences, a field known as neurotheology, and his research includes taking brain scans of people in prayer, meditation, and trance in an attempt to better understand the nature of religious and spiritual practices as well as attitudes. Dr. Newberg is the Director of Research at the Jefferson Myrna Brind Center of Integrative Medicine and the physician at Jefferson University Hospital. He has authored and co-authored a number of books, including How Enlightenment Changes Your Brain, The New Science of Transformation. And today we welcome Dr. Newberg to the air. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, how are you doing, Sister Jenna? It's so nice to hear you again. It's been such a long time. It's been too long, absolutely. I know. How are you doing? I know that we now have a new president-elect. I've been sharing on the conversation. I I, I bet you were. Well, you know, here we are so many days later after the election, and I've been talking on the air before you came on about I wish we had an injection that we could just 
put in our brains, you know, so we could maybe overcome the awe and shock and, and, and heal faster or find peace. And so I think that and one of the funniest things that we've often heard throughout the campaign was our president-elect Donald Trump saying, I've got a good brain. And so I love that. So it's just so appropriate that here we are a few days after the results of the election are talking about this thing called brain and what can we learn sure. more about it. Yeah, so well, I know that yeah, you... I, pi- I, I, there's there's so many things for us to, you know, as you said, with the election in and of itself, there's a lot of very fascinating questions that come up about what, you know, what is the difference between a Republican's brain and a Democrat's brain or why, you know, some people find certain ideas and concepts to be, you know, better or, you know, resonate better with them and uh, and try to understand that. I mean, that's ultimately what I think a lot of this research is about. Uh, I know something that you advocate a great deal is that the notion of trying to understand and, and to bring people together. And I think having that piece of, of how the brain works, it, it tells us a lot. It tells us about who we are. I, I think it gives us an appreciation of you know, people who hold different views than us because it, it helps us to understand where our brain comes from and that it doesn't necessarily have to be an abnormality, but it's just that we work, we all work a little differently, and that's that's part of the beauty of, of humanity, and it's also sometimes the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. You know, there's a lot of talk uh, today about consciousness. What does neurotheology, which you pioneered, have to say about this particular topic? Well, you know, I think that um, I mean consciousness in and of itself is a is a is a huge and fascinating topic, um, and of course, again, how it relates to the brain is is very very intriguing. And uh, you know, some people can take a very reductionist view and and think that consciousness is something that purely arises out of the functioning of the human brain. Uh, other people take the view that the brain is is more of a receiver that it's just there to enable us to experience consciousness and perhaps experience a more universal consciousness that is that that's something that is inundates the entire universe and just happens to be able to kind of congeal within um, the structure and function of the human brain. But uh, so I, I think being able to study the brain and how it relates to consciousness is absolutely essential. And of course, the whole perspective of turning towards meditation and meditation-based practices as a way of studying consciousness um, is also, a, to me, a, a very exciting area for neurotheology and for all of us to explore because if we take these spiritual states and practices and we see how they alter our consciousness, uh, how they affect us, and how they affect our brain, maybe we will learn better about what those states are, what the nature of human consciousness actually is, and maybe we'll find ways of helping people to to engage that consciousness uh, in an even greater way. In fact, in my most recent book, How Enlightenment Changes Your Brain, we talk about a whole spectrum of human consciousness and and try to turn to what we can learn from science uh, as as helping us, uh, as a guide, if you will, towards attaining those higher levels of consciousness. What what are the most effective approaches that people can explore and use, and can we use that science as a as a help, as a guide? It obviously doesn't answer everything, but um, right. but it certainly can help us down the path and and give us some good guidance at times. So uh, that's that's to me what this field is all about. Let me jump in here because here we are days after the election. There's been a lot of 
sorrow in the country. And I think your research can't be any more timely. You're, I don't know if it's such a way, but, you know, how can neurotheology help us to challenge our own belief systems, you know, and to develop a deep sense of respect for people with other belief systems? Because the media and so many people are now pulling the card that this was a racist um, declaration of the country. There's a feeling of them not being heard or, or realizing that the country is trying to move back. And I did a program called Meditate the Vote for the past few months. And it showed images and it showed four examples of brains. And, and one was a smaller brain, sort of pea-like. And it basically said that if you were a racist, your brain was small. Now, does the brain expand and contract based on the, the, the vibration of thought that it's going through or what it believes, or is it more that it stays the same size that it is and it just starts to go through a different sort of a, I don't know, experience? Could you tell me a little bit more? Can what you're doing help us to create a deeper respect for people with other belief systems? I know it's a big question for you, but it's Sure, huge. no, but, but I, that's exactly what we think. And, um, I mean, you, you raise a number of really important issues. So, first of all, um, in terms of, you know, just how the brain changes, uh, the brain structure can sometimes change. Uh, certainly, its connectivity can change, how different parts of the brain are connected to each other, how different neurons can reach out to each other, and, and also the function of the brain can change. So, I mean, on one hand, the, the good news is, is that all of our brains are capable of change. All of our brains are capable of, of exploring new ideas, of challenging our ideas and our beliefs, and, and trying to move from being perhaps uh, more negative about things to being more positive about things. Uh, that being said, uh, one of the questions that often comes up is, you know, how much it's a bit of the chicken and the egg question. I mean, do people who, for example, there have been studies that have shown that people who meditate have, have different brains than people who don't, um, that people who are long-term meditators tend to have uh, have bigger brains, and you mentioned the sort of the size of the brain. Um, so one of the questions has always been, well, does is the brain does the brain get bigger because the person is doing a meditation practice, uh, or is, has the brain always been bigger, and that's why meditation is something that that feels good to that kind of a person, whereas people with a different kind of brain may struggle with meditation in one way or another. Uh, some of our research that specifically looked at that. Um, gave people a very simple meditation program to do, uh, 12 minutes a day, and we used a, a meditation program called Kirtan Kriya that many of your um, listeners may be familiar with. And basically what we did show was that the brain actually changed, at least in terms of its uh, function, between initially where you had a person who had never really meditated much before and someone who now had meditated at least for 12 minutes a day for about an eight-week period. So clearly if somebody's meditating for you know, an hour a day for 15 years, then the brain clearly is going to be changed. And the other thing that, that we've talked about in our, in our neurotheology research, and this came about a lot in a book that I wrote called Why We Believe What We Believe, we looked at where our beliefs come from. And part of what we see is, is that you know, the way our brain works essentially is, is there's a cute phrase that neurons that fire together wire together. And that means that the more you believe something and the more you come back to that belief, the more that becomes ingrained in, in the neural connections of your brain. And so if you go down a path of anger, hatred, you know, racism, and so forth, then those are the neural connections that continue to be reinforced and form in the brain. And you, it biases the way in which your brain functions to look at the world from, through that lens. 
Now, again, that can change. And for as uh, and we, we, we talk a lot about people trying to develop a sense of, of openness and compassion towards other people. And as we move towards that type of process, a person's brain also can change. And the more compassionate and empathic and open we are about other people, the more uh, the more the brain follows those neural connections and the more our behaviors and our ideas embrace those kinds of ideas. So it, it clearly our brains are capable of, of undergoing these changes as, as the research seems to show when we embrace more positive emotions, more positive ideas, more compassionate ideas, our brain seems to function better and be healthier and have more neural connections than when we focus on hatred, anger, uh, and violence. And so you know, hopefully as, as we start, you know, to move together towards some common uh, approach to, to our country and to the world and so forth, uh, the more we can encourage people to, to follow those kinds of compassionate, empathic practices, the better off uh, everyone will be on both an individual as well as on a, on a global level. That is such a hopeful message because coming from the voice of a scientist that's been working so much in the area of pioneering neurotheology, it just makes sense. Whatever you think and feed in your system, you then eventually become. I want to touch a little bit about how enlightenment changes your brain, the new science of transformation. How's the book doing? Where can our listeners get a copy of the book? And are you ever coming to D.C. again? <laughs> I'd love to come to these, but um, no, I mean, it, it's a very exciting book for me. You know, it's been out for a little while and it's done very well. You know, people can find it in, you know, bookstores and certainly online and Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and so forth. We talk about our, our spectrum of human consciousness. We we look at a, a, a two very large pieces of data that we have accumulated over the last 10 to 15 years. One piece has to do with all of the brain scans that we have done. And we've scanned over 250 people doing all different kinds of practices, Christian-based practices, Muslim, uh, Buddhist, you know, all the different practices and, and approaches. And the other part of it is an online survey that we've been running over the past five to six years, people's most intense spiritual experiences. And this, to me, is a very essential database because just looking at the brain itself is helpful but unless you know what the person is actually thinking, it's very difficult to, to truly know what the person really feels on the inside. And it even goes back to your previous question about, you know, if your brain is smaller, does that, you know, does that change how you think or behave? Well, you know, having a smaller brain may be associated with being more racist, for example, but there's lots of people with small brains who aren't. So, you know, there's, and there's lots of people with big brains who are. So there's, there's not one way and there's not one answer to understanding who we are as human beings. And so part of the question is, what are people really experiencing? What are they really feeling? And when it came to enlightenment, I always felt that one of the problems with the concept of enlightenment is that, that we always seem to turn to sort of the big names in the, in the, in the field, with, you know, Buddha and so forth, who, who clearly had wonderful things to say about what enlightenment was. But what is, what is the average person experiencing if they have some kind of intense spiritual experience? What do they feel uh, when they feel that their life has been transformed? Is it the same as we hear from Buddha, from uh, the Christian mystics, from the Sufi mystics? You know, how do, we, how do we understand it? And so we have this database of almost 2,000 people who gave us information about who they are and their religious and spiritual background. Um, as well as what their experiences are. We ask them to provide narratives about what their experiences were. 
and use all of that information in combination with what we understand from the brain's perspective to to truly understand what this experience of enlightenment is all about and try to find uh, more effective ways of helping people down their own individual paths of enlightenment. So that, that's what the book is really ultimately all about. Mm, that's a beautiful book. Where can our listeners get copies of it? Uh, so uh, most bookstores recover it, carry it, and certainly online. Uh, and people can always go to my website, which is just Andrew Newberg, N-E-W-B-E-R-G dot com, um, and they can go there and learn about uh, all my other books as well, and, and research articles, and, uh, and they try to learn a little bit more about neurotheology too. Andrew, it was so good to have you on the air again. It's been way too long, and if ever you're in D.C., please give us a call. Sounds good. I'll absolutely do that, and I'll we'll make a plan to do that. Thanks for a wonderful interview. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a rich conversation in just talking about what it means to have a good brain and also the amount of work that is connected to how your thoughts do create the way that the brain functions. And yeah, they're working on finding a way in how we can get our brain in check so that we can create more harmony and peace. Yay. Wonderful. I hope you've enjoyed our wonderful conversation on having a good brain and what that actually means. It's about being more positive. It's about being more inclusive, more loving, more kind, more happy, more benevolent. And yeah, that is it. That is it, isn't it? So you've been listening to America Meditating Radio. That was Dr. Andrew Newberg. You can go to drandrewnewberg.com if you'd like some more information on his research on neurotheology. Remember, no one can take away your happiness. Absolutely no one has the capacity to do that. Do not let them do that. And we are now definitely being tested and challenged to love each other the same. So let's do that. I'm going to end today's conversation with one wish. Take care.